Hello, this is Rich Potter, and welcome to the What's So Funny podcast. Okay, we're back. Welcome back. A day late. And I guess it comes as a huge surprise to anyone who knows me that I'm scattered in a million different directions at once. In fact, it's quite a marvel that I've actually managed to do eight of these already, this being episode nine of the What's So Funny podcast. And I would have posted yesterday, but I got really caught up. I had a a really interesting gig. Uh, I was at a youth detention center, and these were... I mean, they were inmates, but they were children, like, from age 14 to 17, I think. That was the age range. Uh, I'll probably talk about that next week a little bit more. But right now, uh, I, as promised last week, I was teaching circus camp. Uh, I was teaching children how to do the skills that I have learned through my experience in the circus. And it's not like I'm training the next generation of circus acrobats or jugglers or uh, horse trainers or whatever. This is a summer camp thing. Some of these kids may go on to uh, pursue the circus career, but for now, they are just kids doing something cool in the summer. And it's great for uh, hand-eye coordination and balance and self-esteem and all these sorts of wonderful side benefits that you don't necessarily get from a math test. So in any case... um, yeah, I think circus camp, teaching kids in general, is one of the most rewarding pains in the butt you can imagine. But teaching them juggling, tight wire, uh, rollabola, which is like a plank on a pipe, uh, so you're balancing on this uh, cylindrical thing. Uh, unicycle, stilt walking, devil stick, uh, which is kind of a two sticks, bapping one stick back and forth. Uh, They're three sticks total. Diablo, uh, Chinese yo-yo it's also called, and clown techniques as well as some uh, tumbling and there are some assorted other things like the walking on the giant ball. It's called a rolling globe. One of the other coaches brought some pogo sticks. The kids were getting into that, which I don't think of as circus, but I guess on the far end there are people in circuses doing amazing things with these gigantic uh, adult-sized pogo sticks. But in any case, uh, I'm in, when when I'm teaching these kids, there's just one main rule, and that is, you uh, there's one word that's considered a foul word. It's a four-letter word, and I tell the kids very early that they're not allowed to use this word. It's the word can't, because everyone can do something if they apply themselves, unless they're m- missing some huge. Uh, capability of the the standard human body, the, the the body that has evolved over millions of years, they can do it. You know, there's some outliers, like I had trouble teaching uh, a friend of mine who, he had problems with depth perception. I couldn't teach him to juggle. I also think I could have taught him if it if we put more time into it and he dedicated more, but I don't have evidence for that, so I can't make that claim. I just say that's my suspicion. In any case, can't, that's the four-letter word they're not allowed to say, and so, of course, kids will they'll come up to me and they'll say, well, I cannot do this thing. And I'm just constantly amazed at the lawyering capability of children. You have to be very careful at every turn to lack specificity. It's like you can't say stop throwing at rocks at Gerald because then they'll throw rocks at Susan. So you have to say stop throwing rocks. And of course, then they'll pick up a stick and throw that. Uh, you can't say uh, everyone in the gymnasium stand on the black line. 
because the black line goes all the way around the basketball court. You have to say, everyone come over here. And then once they're over here and they're all within eyesight, you say, now back up to the black line. It can be really funny using these kind of shifts in perspective on stage, but when it's a bunch of kids and it's it's it can be really annoying when you're trying to herd cats and it's really annoying to me because when i was a kid that was me so i'm definitely getting my karmic payback but it's also really fun to listen to uh all day long uh kids who think they can't do something and then how excited they get when they actually do get something and I, I think part of it is managing expectations, you know, make, making sure that they know when I started how badly I sucked. And so that when they suck and then they do a little better than sucking, that that is a huge victory. On the other side of things, the Dunning-Kruger effect is alive and well in children, especially. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Dunning-Kruger effect, it's an axiom created by these two guys named Dunning and Kruger. It's a... a th- I found out about about it uh, in the last 15, 20 years on the internet. But it's the tendency for novices in a discipline to, to be more likely to consider themselves experts than people who actually know what they're doing. So if you have, like... A master's degree at something, you're you're well aware of how much you don't know on a subject uh, compared to someone who's got the one-on-one level course or even a high school class in, say, early Western civilization. You take a semester of that and you think you know everything there is and then you get your master's degree in early Western civilization and you realize there's so much that you don't know and that you want to learn more. It's And uh, it's it's funny. There's this quote that I have it on a uh, pencil tool bag. Uh, my wife got me at the New York Public Library, and it says on it in big bold letters, "I'm still learning," and underneath it says Michelangelo. So if that guy was still learning well into his genius, then I think the rest of us uh, should at least give a nod to maybe if I think I'm an expert, I am falling victim to the Dunning Kruger effect. But kids, uh, they don't understand the breadth of the world around them and they think hey i can throw three balls in the air and catch two of them i'm ready to put that on a unicycle and i say hey kid you forgot how to learn unicycle first so circus camp provides endless opportunities for smart ass answers Uh, i've I've learned a lot about being a politician Uh, for instance uh, on day one kids come up to me and say when's our snack and I'm like, uh, I don't know anything about a snack. You know, your your counselor brought you in to, to spend a few hours learning circus stuff with me. Uh, I know nothing about a snack. But I can't say I don't know anything. I have to say something from a, a position of strength and knowledge. So I, you know, just like a politician. So when, I, when they say, when's our snack? Where's our snack? I, I just have to say, we're working on it and it will happen soon. Keep practicing. See, I, I could be pre- presidential. I, I could be president of the United States just with that one instinct. Give an answer that gives no actual information. Uh, how did I handle that? Of course, I told them, hey, everyone, let's all go over to the tight wire and we're learning tight wire now. And quickly I ran over to the, uh, the, their handler, their counselor, and said, hey, what's up with the snack? And I was told, you know, 
whenever you're ready. And I was, I was like, well, okay, I already told them to go to the tight wire, and so I can't show weakness. I can't step back and say, oh, no, no tight wire now. Let's go get the snack, because then that shows I was wrong, and then they question my authority. So I walk over, and I, it's a low wire. It's a tight wire. It's about a foot off the ground. And I have everyone line up, and I, I hold my hand out so, I, so they can hold on to me, and we walk across one at a time. Everyone gets a turn doing that, and then everyone gets a second turn doing that. And, and the third time, instead of my full arm, I only give them two fingers and then walk them across. And then that, that's about 10, 15 minutes. So then I say, all right, everyone, we've got our snack ready. Or, and they all get really excited because they've been whining about their snack all through this process. And, and then I add, or we could walk across the wire one more time, but without me spotting you. So you get to walk and feel what, it, feel what it's like to walk without a spotter. And they all, I watch them get all excited. So I say, or we could have the snack. Maybe we should have the snack. And they, then they started yelling at me that they didn't want their damn snack. I love reverse psychology. Whoever knew my powers of manipulation could be used for such positive effect. One of the most important skills historically in the circus has been clown. Now, most people don't think of a clown as a skill. I could go on and on, but uh, it's often thought of as just kind of uh, going out there and being stupid. And Yes, that's a part of it, but you have to be stupid with such precision that it does take years to really do it well. And I didn't appreciate this when I first started either. It, it's the easiest circuit skill from, to look at from the outside and the easiest circuit skill to do really badly. I always find it strange when I'm teaching clown to children since their understanding of human nature is very slim to begin with. In fact, their sense of humor is not really that well developed at all. Usually, puns are amazing to them, and you know, you know how uh, grown-ups hate puns. Well, uh, some grown-ups. Well, um, grown-ups who have matured beyond uh, third-grade mentality. Okay, I like puns. That's what I'm trying to say. I like puns. Uh, I like good puns. I mean, bad puns are a dime a dozen. Or if you have thirteen, that's <laughs> a dime a baker's dozen. Anyway, uh, what I was trying to say, I'm trying to amuse myself right now. But yeah, the kid's sense of humor is not very well developed. And, and generally, they don't even know what an audience is or how to deal with an audience, how to interact with an audience, how to feel an audience. They really don't know how to construct a gag to construct uh, a humorous moment in order to portray it to an audience. And they really, they don't even know how their body moves. You know, they, they may move naturally, but they, in order to synthesize something natural on stage, you have to go this, through this process of trying to do something deliberately, and then in doing so, you make it look unnatural, and then you have to bring it back to natural, and that takes a lot of time and experience and a trial and error and doing it badly for a long time, really. But with kids, you know, with all that in mind, I try to gear it towards things that they can do, the nuts and bolts, some of the stuff that you can just copy instead of feel and build and just create the some sort of creative construct. Uh, and I know kids are creative, but they don't necessarily know some of the finer points of how to present things to an audience or what an audience is going to be in interested in. Because at a, up to a certain age, it's all about me, 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 me. And when you're thinking about me, 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 you're not focusing on what the audience is perceiving or what they want. 
so like I said, we do the basics. With, we start with basic moves. We do some funny walks. It's like the pastiche, or really the pastiche of the pastiche. We do things like slaps. Everyone can kind of figure out how to slap another person when given the steps. You how to do it safely without making bodily contact with another person. You swing your arm. The other person claps their hands. It looks like you've really slapped them. Then you do the reaction, and that's a lot of fun for kids. Foot stomps, the same thing. You stomp in front of someone's foot from the audience's point of view. It looks like you're actually stomping on their foot. The person reacts. You show them how to react and how to keep their, their face up so the audience sees what pain, quote, pain they're in. These are all things you take them beat by beat that you can do them. Uh, you can do them in such a way that you uh, highlight the moment and so that the audience can enjoy the, the flavor and the texture of what you're doing. And you can do it with your head down, your back to the audience, and do it just for yourself. So these are some basic principles that uh, you can dig deeper and dig deeper, but you know, giving the kids pastiche, the, the pastiche of it, gives them some idea how things are done, and at least you give them a flavor of uh, the beginnings of qu what clown is, and usually what happens is every kid who tries to put a routine together, one slaps the other, the other slaps the other, and then they continue that until I tell them, stop, let's get a story going. <laughs> Usually we end up with group gags anyway uh, in the final show. We usually do a final show at the end where the kids' uh, kids' parents come in and watch. So clown aside, the funniest thing I, I saw, funny slash tragic, you know, comedy is based in tragedy <laughs> very often. You know, as Robert A. Robert a. Heinlein once said, uh, comedy is tragedy happening to someone else. Or as Mel Brooks said, uh, if I get a hangnail, that's a tragedy. If you fall in an open manhole cover and die, that's comedy. <laughs> but the funniest thing, early in the morning, we, we had just started for the day. Everyone was, uh, kind of shows up. They mill in and they just pick up stuff and start practicing uh, while we wait for the 9 o'clock, which is where, when we officially begin. And I'm walking around helping kids, and what, one 11-year-old girl walks up to me, and she, her cheeks are puffed out, and, you know, and I'm a funny guy. The kids know I'm a funny guy. Uh, kids will randomly try their hand at saying or doing funny things to impress me with their wit. I turn to the puffy-cheeked girl, uh, and I'd, uh, I'd run through her little pantomime game. Uh, you know, first, it's like, okay, what, you're a chipmunk? And she shakes her head, and you, you swallowed a balloon? And she shakes her head, and her brow lowers, suggesting this is not a game. Uh, uh, you need to puke? A very determined nod. So I flip through the Google that is my brain and realize that I'm the grown-up here, and she's the young child with a in a strange setting with puke in her mouth. So I'm like, I, you know, if if I have to, if I puke in my mouth, I figure something out. I don't walk across a gymnasium to another person and ask them what they should, what I should do. So I, I just ran through the Rolodex. The Rolodex is what uh, older people would call Google. As a non-parent, I've worked with kids for years, but generally I don't have to deal with bodily fluids. That's generally. There, were, there was one time a, you know, a kid was doing cartwheels on the gymnastic mat, and then uh, basically he peed all over the gymnastic mat. And I, At first I thought it was a billboard for McDonald's with the golden arches, but uh, uh, that's another story. That's not what we're dealing with here. So yeah, normally I don't have to deal with bodily fluids, or chunks as it were in this case. And I briefly thought about aiming her face at one of the more annoying kids and, you know, punching her cheeks. So, you know, there's always one kid who's being where he shouldn't be or doing something he shouldn't do or, or just being not right in the head. There's usually one in every crowd, but unfortunately in this class, they were all good kids. So 
I, I had to think of an alternate plan, and so I rushed her outside to the bushes, and you know, she was able to relieve herself. She let the plants know what she thought of having gastric reflux, which is what the problem was. It wasn't really puke. It was just, well, I, I didn't, is, 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 uh, what is it, acid reflux? That was it. Is acid reflux, when you have an attack of that, is, is that puke or is that just stomach acid? Isn't puke partially stomach acid? Do you need chunks for it to be considered puke? Uh, I don't, because I, I, I said, like, after her mouth was empty, uh, it's like, oh, okay, well, uh, sorry, you had to puke. Or, you know, I said something placating like that, you know, you, you're a puke face or something. I, I forget what I said, but it was puke was one of the words. And she said, oh, no, that wasn't puke. That was acid reflux. I'm like, well, what's the difference? I really don't know the difference, and I'm glad I don't, because that would mean I probably know more about acid reflux than I need to, and fortunately, I don't need to know much about it, being someone who's, uh, I guess that means I don't puke much, meaning I must be full of puke. Uh, I don't know. I mean, is, is that what we are when we don't, if we eat food and we don't throw it up, does that mean we're full of puke, and it's just puke that hasn't come up yet? I mean, with, if you tell a bunch of lies, people say you're full of crap. Circus camp is a place where uh, 90% of it is, is pretty much the same thing. I, I, I always have to tell the kids the, the same two things. Stand up straight and try again. Stand up straight is sim- simply posture. If you don't have a good frame, you can't build on it. I originally started saying this when I taught juggling, which I think I've done the most of in my career as a teacher, coach, whatever you want to call it. If, if you aren't grounded and centered, your spine twists to the left, your right hand goes farther forward, your right hand throws the balls farther forward, and your left hand has to chase it, and then that just twists things up, and everything goes haywire. I found through coaching uh, full camps and you know doing all the tight wire juggling, rollabola, unicycle, stilt walking, etc., etc., pretty much everything starts with a good frame. And not just the circus skills, also things like yoga, uh, dance, rock climbing, running, Aikido, martial arts in general. Uh, Pretty much every physical discipline I've ever followed. Your spine is a stack of Jenga blocks, and you've got a bowling ball on top of them, uh, which is your head. It's like your head is a 10-pound weight. So if you throw your head a little bit forward, that throws off the top of the Jenga blocks. Or if you pull one of the Jenga blocks out a little bit, that takes your alignment out, your physical system becomes weak. And just as a metaphorical thing, or uh, I guess a simile for you English nerds, it's like in comedy, your, your stand-up straight is to stick to the world you've created. You want a good, solid foundation of reality that people can relate to before you move out and do your comic twist. If you don't have a good, solid foundation, the twist is weaker. Like, for instance, you, you take the classic genie joke. Uh, some, some dudes either on the desert or on a deserted island, you know, somewhere where there's no other people. He finds a genie bottle. Poof, he gets three wishes. Usually the first two wishes are for money and for uh, to be rescued. And that's a good, solid foundation. I usually, when I tell these jokes now, usually that's how quickly I tell it because the, the formula is the same. And the third thing is the twist. But you don't have a solid foundation, your joke crumbles down. Now imagine, if you will, the same joke, but you start out with, okay, there's a guy who's working in a cubicle at a multinational corporation. He's in the accounting department, and he turns around and he finds a genie bottle. You immediately come up with a bunch of these questions, like how would a genie bottle get into his cubicle? You, you get caught up in those little details because it doesn't follow a solid foundation of something that's familiar.
in, in that, I, I would say that that is a similarity to uh, having a good solid foundation of your head on top of your spine, on top of your hips, on top of your uh, ankles. You know, you, you have this uh, this solid foundation where everything's in, in line. And same with the telling a joke or comedy. You have to have a solid foundation of something that people can relate to so that you can push off from it most efficiently and with the greatest strength. But in any case, in circus, I, I'd say close to 90% of my coaching, it just sounds like this. Stand up, head up, butt in, try again. Stand up, head up, butt in, try again. And every kid has a slightly different way of messing it up. When a kid finally succeeds at something, juggling three balls for three throws and three catches, which is a huge landmark, it's just amazing to see the look on their face. And, and the best thing I can do is say, that was great, try again. Really, a robot could do my job and probably be nicer about it. But really, that's, that's what it is. It's, uh, I, I guess with everything you're learning, it's, like, it's great to have the small victories and never stop pushing forward to learn more. So yeah, a robot could do 90% of my job. And the other 10%, the other 10% I don't think could be done by a robot, at least not yet. Who knows what the future brings. But that other 10% is when they reach those milestones, doing something earlier that they, they thought they can't. And you see written all over their face the joy of, of that, that spark, that new connection made in their brain, and that, that leveling up of self-confidence and self-esteem sharing of that joy with them that's i think that's worth dealing with all the the puke the pee and the smart asses thanks for joining me for another what's so funny podcast if you have a question or a comment or a request for a future podcast please leave it in the comments below and i hope to hear from you thanks for tuning in this has been the What's So Funny podcast with Rich Potter. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes on Wednesdays.